Look at my butt. Show number 275 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Listeners, we're back. We are here. We are still quarantining. We are because we're smart and we don't want to die, basically. No, we don't we don't want to die. Um but last night I broke down and cut my hair. You did it yourself? Wow. Well, I cut my bangs, which I always do myself because I'm uh-huh. the only one who knows which parts need to stay longer because they curl <laughs> more. And then, you know, I've been doing that asymmetrical cut, short on one side, long on the other. Yes. Well, as it, as it has grown out, the long on the other looks dreadful. So I just hacked off that long part. And wow. now it looks really cute. I'm sure it looks brilliant. So good for you. <laughs> I, I would be scared. I mean, I am, I am always... When my hair needs to be cut, I'm on the verge of just shaving my head because I get so frustrated <laughs> with my hair. There's just so much of it. But anyway. Well, you know, one uh, of my sisters has cut her own hair for years. Wow. And it always looks great. Yeah. Well, some people can. I just don't think I can. Uh, I no, I wouldn't so. trust myself with layers and curls and all those things. But to just, you know, hack off a little bit here and there, I'm good with that. Well, I don't trust myself with scissors sometimes. So. Oh, Okay. That's that's where I am. Anyway, anyway, uh, yes, we're still quarantining, but we've been using our time wisely and watching stuff. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a thing that just popped up. You know, it was funny. You called it to my attention and then somebody else on Facebook had called it to my attention, too. It was like synchronicity. Um, And I had never heard of this in all the times we've talked about, you know, all the things Bill's done mm -hmm. and the lists we've looked at. I don't remember ever getting anything about this i same here so what this is is a pilot for a tv show to be based on the nero wolf mystery book series and it was made in 1959 and they only made the pilot because it didn't sell so this thing just got buried and i understand that eventually it got released as like a dvd extra on some thing a couple years ago and that's suddenly why it's available as something that you can watch and it's on youtube the whole thing is on youtube so if you want to watch it go over to youtube so we as uh, an entity decided we would watch it together on youtube via the 27 interface and that actually worked pretty well so uh, we will continue to do that. I think the 2.7 thing works a lot better when you're watching stuff on YouTube than it does when you're trying to log into Amazon or Netflix or whatever. So going to bear that in mind going forward. We'll try to do things YouTube-ish or something else. Anyway, it's only 25 minutes long because it was only meant to be a half an hour series. So it won't take you very long if you want to watch it. And it's it's charming in a weird way, right? So it was it was 1959. Television was different then. <laughs> it wasn't like it is now. It was black and white for one thing, and it was very stagey. This particular episode was essentially like a filmed play. There were three settings, and that was it. And the thing that I observed about it the most is that it was like a mystery where you have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it didn't actually have a middle. Right. I was just going to say that, that there was no investigation, no solving of anything. No. It was just, oh, here's a mystery. And then at the end, Nero Wolf had all the answers. Yeah. And that was it. And then nothing happened in the middle. So it was like why they chose that as the pilot, you know, it it's it doesn't really give you a feel for what this show would be like, because if every show was like this, where there's something that happens in the first five minutes and then a lot of nothing. And then he just does the Agatha Christie thing and says, I, I suppose you're gather- wondering why I've gathered you all here. And he tells them who did it. That would be very, very boring. So, well, I, I read something because I didn't know much about the Nero Wolf mysteries and I mm-hmm. read and his whole thing is that Nero Wolf is so lazy, he just wants to uh, stay in bed and eat. Uh So it's quite possible what we saw was representative of the show. Okay. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I guess. So so Nero Wolf is a detective. He lives in New York City. He loves food and he loves to stay in bed and his orchids and various things. He's, you know, Mm -hmm. a bit Poirot-like in that way. He likes good living. And because he doesn't leave his house or actually do anything, he has an assistant, Archie Goodwin, played by the inimitable William Shatner. Yes, young Bill. Young Bill, very, very young Bill. And the fun thing about it is 
there is a little bit of information gathering and of course bill has to be the one to do it his character yes. is the one who leaves and goes and talks to people and he doesn't have a lot to do besides that which I, again i wonder like is that representative of the series does he actually get to do more or is he just the proxy for going out and interviewing people and you know picking up right. newspapers well, and things maybe if it had become a series he might have you know gotten a girlfriend or something but. Mm, that's true i did like that in the wikipedia entry for nero wolf it says archie goodwin is wolf's sharp-witted dapper young confidential assistant with an eye for attractive women yes <laughs> so yeah so we got to see bill sort of ogling all the women in this office he went to as yes. part of his errand running yeah so he got to do that uh there, there were things I liked about Bill's performance and then things I didn't like. And with something like this, it's so hard to tell whether it's the script, whether it's him, whether it's the director. It certainly seemed a little under-rehearsed, you know, like yes. they were trying to get it done as fast as possible. So who knows how much time they actually spent on it. He is, you know, he is this sort of brash, almost rude guy when he's dealing with other people. When he's dealing with Nero Wolf, he's sort of charming and, and a little bit impertinent. Actually, they use yes. that word at the end. But um, I, I watched it again with my brother the other day because he wanted to see it. And he was pointing out that you're never really sure what Archie Goodwin's character is supposed to be. Is he really stupid? And he really doesn't understand what's going on or mm -hmm. he's smart and he does understand what's going on because throughout a lot of the episode, he's sort of got a smirk on his face. Like he uh -huh. knows what's happening, but then he seems sort of baffled when Nero Wolf is saying like, oh, well, of course, it's so obvious. And he's like, really? I don't understand. And and so yeah. what is his character supposed to be? It's very weird that he's he goes back and forth between those two extremes and you can never quite get a fix on who he is or how much of this he mm -hmm. actually understands. Yes. And that annoyed me quite a lot. Yep. So I was not surprised that this did not get picked. <laughs> uh-huh. Because it wasn't interesting at all. But I do want to point out that Nero Wolf was played by... Uh, Kurt Kasnar, yes. Kasner. Mm -hmm. and for those of you who watched a lot of 60s television, he was on Land of the Giants. Yes, he certainly was, and in lots of other things. He was one of those oh, actors. Oh, tons of things, but that was something that actually, like, ran. He did so much Broadway. Mm -hmm. When I was looking up his credits, it was like, page and a half of Broadway and I was going okay that, that's great where's that TV stuff yeah so he was he, a very very busy character actor. he was and he was good you know he was fine oh, yeah. the there were parts where it was clearly done sort of uh, to serve the stage actors because both he and Bill had large swaths of monologue where they were just mm -hmm. going through it was like oh well it's good that you're able to memorize a lot of stuff because this was done in a single take so yep. it's good there was one thing, and we talked about this a little as we watched it, where Bill had a quite a long piece that he had to go through. Again, almost 100% single take. And his way of dealing with this very long wall of text was to do pauses that were not mm -hmm. Shatnerian pauses, but more pauses like you would do if you were telling a story to someone, which comes across as really weird and artificial when you're watching a TV show. Well, you know what I was thinking was a possibility? Mm -hmm. Because it was this very, very long, as you say, you know, monologue, um, maybe they had it on cue cards, mm -hmm. and maybe the cue card person was a little slow. That's a really good point. That is entirely possible. Just as an example, the thing I'm talking about is he wouldn't just pause where he would say, and then I went down to the library and I got this information. The next thing I did, he would say, and then I went down to the library and I uh, got this information. And mm -hmm. um, the next thing, and it was weird. It was like natural conversation, but you can't do that when you're right. performing like this. So it just, yeah, it didn't it didn't sound natural because it no. came in the wrong spots yeah. and it seemed. That character, for what little we could get out of it, was um, he seemed quite confident. Yeah. And so for him to be umming and, you know, all that other stuff wasn't working. So I'm thinking 
like you said when we were watching it, is he trying to remember the line? I thought that is a possibility, you know. Yeah. And then I thought well, maybe it was, you know, the cue cards or something. It's so. possible. So that's a, it's a really good suggestion, and I, I'm going to choose to believe that because I like that explanation. Okay. There were there were two other things, well, a, a couple of things about it that made it weird, and one my brother pointed out was that um, Nero Wolf, as he's explaining to the assembled potential suspects in his office he says all of you were within murdering distance of the victim <laughs> and he said what does that mean murdering distance <laughs> <laughs> what a weird turn of phrase yes you were within murder and like am i within murdering distance of you now even though we're separated by thousands of miles like, probably technically, not well technically it could be if i hired someone that's murdering oh, distance. this is true this is true for you or if you had a strange remote murdering device that's you right know? like a tantalus field that would be murdering distance anyway mm-hmm. that was a very weird turn of phrase um at the end of the episode he reveals the murderer who's one of the people that's there he um has all of these people commit to paying him money not to reveal any of this to the newspapers so he's blackmailing them all into paying more him. or less yeah. yeah which seems a little questionable and then after he reveals the murderer he's just about to walk out of the room and then as an afterthought he turns around and says oh by the way archie call the police because for a minute there i just thought okay so somebody's getting away with murder that's yeah odd. the whole thing was strange it was very weird so Listeners, you should go watch it. It's like I said, it's only about 25 minutes and you don't have to pay super close attention. It's worth it to see Bill, (laughs) very, very young Bill, with, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, not a great hairpiece. It was too dark and too, too, um, bouffantish on his head. It was just very high. And it was an unattractive hairline. It was. It didn't look good. Um, I was thinking Mm -hmm. that maybe this was like, one of or his first hairpiece mm, could be it could be yeah yeah uh it looked industrial strength certainly yeah and <laughs> he wore a bad hat through some of this also which yeah i yeah. just didn't appreciate oh bill we've talked about the hats <laughs> yeah don't don't wear hats so anyhow that was nero wolf so uh yeah there it is on youtube for people to watch okay so uh, let's see. What were we going to do next? Should I launch into Enterprise? Or are we going to talk about something no, no. else? Oh, Columbo. We wanted to talk about Columbo. Yeah. So we're on like murder mystery segment here. <laughs> yes. So um, as you may know or not know, Bill did two segments of Columbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, one is where he wears a hat. <laughs> and the other is where he has a mustache. <laughs> This is the hat episode. <laughs> I pointed out on our Facebook group, and I'm so glad that people liked it, that the outfit that he wears in this episode of Columbo is almost identical to one of his outfits in Impulse. Well, around the same time, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's the white suit with the terrible white mm-hmm. pimp hat that he's got on. And that's his right. outfit through most of the Columbo episode. So the Columbo episode is called Fade In to murder, which I love. Okay, it's I a, didn't know the title. It's a great title. And it's a very weird Columbo episode. I, I read about it a little bit because, of course, there are whole websites devoted to Columbo. And mm-hmm. it was, I think, the first episode of the fifth or sixth season. And oh, okay. uh, there had been some question about whether it was going to come back because the show was a huge success. You know, it was one of the, mm-hmm. the highest rated shows on. And in between seasons, Peter Falk had been renegotiating his contract and basically asked for a whole lot of money because it was the highest rated show and it had won a couple of Emmys and he felt right. like he deserved it. And the network kept trying to lowball him. And he said to them, look, if you don't get me back, you don't have a show. I am the star of the show. I am the producer. Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice here, guys. So this particular episode stars uh, William Shatner. You may have heard of him. He's an actor. As a guy who is playing a TV detective. Yes. And there is a lot of meta stuff about TV detectives in this episode. Oh, my God. I know. And that's part of what keeps this episode so entertaining. It's so good. There are whole scenes devoted to the TV executives going... 
we're paying this guy too much money. Let's just get somebody else in there. And the other one going, no, we can't. We can't fire him. He's the whole show. It's our most highly rated series and it's won Emmys and we have to keep him mm-hmm. there. It's like the writers just took the stuff that was directly happening in real life and slapped it onto this, which I love. I think it's really good. Yes. Well, and I love when they were doing things like talking about makeup and oh, let's yeah. go to the prop room mm-hmm. and, you know, there's some a gun missing from the prop room. How you kill people with a prop gun, I don't really know. But, um, you know, it, it was great. I mean, this this episode clipped along. It did. It, it really moved. Bill was so good and Peter Falk was so good. They really had chemistry. The two of them together were yes. terrific. Uh, clearly having a great time doing this. The rest of the, the cast was also, I thought, very well done. You know, they had the mm-hmm. right people in the right roles. And yeah, there was a lot of that looking a peek behind the curtain at how tv shows get made obviously a lot of it really about colombo (laughs) so it's very interesting the interplay between bill's character and Mm -hmm. the colombo character that colombo keeps saying to him oh i watch your show all the time you're so brilliant you're so amazing and of course bill is the murderer so it's about trying to figure out how he did it and even though he is very smart he doesn't get away with it in the end of course well nobody does in colombo (laughs) <laughs> but, um, or any of those things. I want to point out something, though. The the woman he murders is his ex-lover and his manager. She's, mm. she's both those things. Well, the minute she showed up, I went, who is that? I have seen her. Who is that? And she has a very, very distinct voice, mm-hmm. kind of husky. And so, you know, I got her name and I looked her up. And here's what I know her from. She was um, a guest on the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, okay. She played the actress Paula Marshall, and um, I was reading about her. She did work pretty steadily, but because she was regarded as, like, the voice of the era or something, you know, she she did so much voice work because she had this really distinctive sort of husky, low voice. So I just thought that was interesting, and I love when, you know, you can pick out people going, I've seen her. What was she in? Oh, you of course. Know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Especially when you are able to find the information. Yep. Well, Columbo's sort of famous for that, right? They employed just yes. everybody to be on that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there were a lot of interesting little subplots. The, the whole thing culminated in a very... Uh, it was sort of a left turn, and I, it did make sense, but it was a little weird where Bill's character has kind of a, a psychotic break, almost, where mm-hmm. he... He, at one point, is his character who is helping Columbo solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. And then moments later, he is the actor who's playing that character who did commit the crime. Mm -hmm. And so he's sort of having this back and forth. It wasn't quite Gollum levels of split personality, (laughs) but it was it was going down that road and it was it was interesting i thought he did a good job with it he didn't go yes. crazy he wasn't chewing at his fingers or um slamming <laughs> himself against the wall or anything like that he did a well, really good job with it i i think it started out or the intent like in the early scenes was this is the game he's playing with mm-hmm. colombo mm-hmm. and then he gets more and more into it yes and it results in the not quite golem that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was a delight to watch that. I think mm-hmm. I had probably seen it once a long time ago, and I forgot how good it was. And it it is just it is so good, and it's great to see Bill playing a, a bunch of different levels because mm-hmm. you know he is doing these two different characters sort of simultaneously, but he also knows that he's playing a game with Columbo and sometimes he goes along with it and sometimes he'll just stop and he had one really good line which is as Columbo is trying to lead him down a path of revealing information he says can we just stop pretending that I'm brilliant and you're simple (laughs) which is the game right and he's just like let's not do this anymore so it yeah it was it was really good uh and the one other thing, well, two things. One is that he had a terrible toupee, which was unfortunate. I don't know why mm-hmm. they did that. Couldn't they have afforded something better? Couldn't Not for a guest star. And the other thing was that they shaved his chest. Yeah. He had an open-necked shirt on. He was never shirtless, but I thought, why would they do that? This was such a long well, time after. Well, you know, Bill time. was was working a lot. It might have been like just shaved the week before for something he was doing then oh that's true like when we had observed that they shaved his chest for hawaii 5 so maybe it was like the week before mm-hmm. or something that's a good point hadn't thought about that okay all right i'll let that well, one well i read um an interesting uh little 
you know, fan review of Columbus, but talking about this episode and saying, okay, or Columbo. We all know who Columbo is, and that's Peter Falk, and he was one of the big stars of the 70s as Columbo. But William Shatner owns this episode. <laughs> yeah, he does. He absolutely and it's, does. it's so true. You know, part of it is, of course, you're used to Columbo and his shtick. Mm-hmm. But um, your eyes just go to Shatner without him doing these overt stealing the scene sort yes. of thing. But, you know, it, like you said, playing these different levels when Bill is giving some, when Bill is given something substantial to play, he's outstanding. He really is. And such a credit to Peter Falk to let that happen, right? Yes. To, to be the star of a show and to sort of say, I'm going to step back a little bit and let this person be the center. Do of all everything. the heavy lifting. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it's great. I, I, again, I, I know I said this once before, but I'm astonished at the level of actor that they got for Columbo in in mm-hmm. many cases. You know, I, I forgot that they had more than just the, the standard TV stars like I was watching one recently and Ricardo Montalban was on it and he was great. Mm-hmm. And there was another one, Faye Dunaway, and she was great. And then Patrick McGowan, who was in The Prisoner, he was in like yeah. four of them and he was outstanding. So many good performances. So good. Well, you know, that's part of the quality of the show, um, that the guest star of the week was someone recognizable or who you might even be excited to see. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that sort of led into the love boat. I think where, you're you, right. Yeah. You know, they had sort of has been actors and, you know, but they do these theme shows where it was, you know, four women who had all been stars in the 50s or something, you yeah. know. It, it, with Columbo, it's just so different because the scripts were good, the direction was good, and the actors were really giving it their all, right? They weren't phoning it mm-hmm. in. They were there, right. they were participating, they were adding their, their creative juices to it, and it really, really comes together. So I am so happy that like late in my life, I am rediscovering the wonder of Columbo and how good it is. <laughs> Well, like you said earlier, it was a very highly rated show. Yes. Very popular. And you're a name actor, right? But you're going on this and and you're like, all right, I'm really going to be seen. You know, most of these people, I mean, you couldn't get Faye Dunaway when she had just done Bonnie and Clyde, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, so they were probably like in a little bit of a lull or whatever. And great exposure in a one-hour show because Mm -hmm. the murderer in the show... Unlike, you know, most murders where either the murderer is a complete unknown and you never see him at all, or he's sort of in a crowd. The murderer and their interplay with Columbo is the show. Right. Yes. Right. Which gives, as an actor, gives you all kinds of opportunities to do interesting things. And yep. um, yeah, it, it's so good. It's so good. So uh, that was a delight. So everybody go watch that episode uh, if it's available for you. I'm pretty sure Columbo is on not Netflix, but maybe HBO or something. something. Yeah, it's out there streaming. And plus they show it every Saturday on, what, MeTV or or Heroes and Icons or something like that. Something. I don't get MeTV anymore, so it's got to be something else. But anyway. But I was telling you, and I want to share this with our listeners, when I'm channel surfing through the guide and I see Columbo, I always go check it out to see if it's one of Bill's episodes. (laughs) And it almost never is. But the other thing is when I'm channel surfing and I see – Oh, God, Futurama. I always check to see if it's where no fan has gone before. (laughs) It's worth it. You just got to drop everything and be like, I'm watching this, which is what happened with that Columbo episode, because you'd posted it, I think, on Facebook or something. And I was like, I have to make time for this tonight. Let me rearrange my schedule. (laughs) So worth it. Okay, good. Hey, listen, um, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and, and talk about some other stuff. Okay, sounds good. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news.
Well, Enterprise, that was a TV show that neither of us ever watched. Yeah. But at your suggestion, I watched the uh, two-parter that was called In a Mirror Darkly, which was in the fourth season, right before they got canceled. And you had suggested it because there was an article that we read that was saying that particular episode might give some insight into the mirror universe, which are we are very interested in. And specifically, it was, where was the cutoff point? Yeah. Where it split into what we call the prime universe mm-hmm. and the mirror universe. And so, you know, I said, well, let's bite the bullet and at least watch enough of it to see that. Yeah. Um, and when we went to watch it, oh, my God, it was so bad and so dark <laughs> that I bailed. And <laughs> you stuck with it. You should get a medal or a prize or something. Uh, so the first thing is that that question is not answered. So it... it that article lied It to lied. Me. They did an interesting thing, which is that they redid the opening credits to the show. So it's not the standard Enterprise opening sequence. They did it to show the history of humanity up until the point of Enterprise showing, um, you know, various technological advances and wars and things like that and a guy on the moon. But Mm -hmm. it all incorporates the empire because the guy on the moon is planting an empire flag exactly and prior to that all the footage that they're showing is stuff from like world war ii and even earlier Mm -hmm. implying that the history of humanity forever has been really violent and really aggressive and none of it is about you know exploring or Mm -hmm. or anything like that it's not about making humanity better it's just about beating each other up beating the shit out of each other being the winner yeah so that was disappointing because as you were saying i was kind of looking forward to that it does open with footage from the movie first contact showing uh james cromwell Mm -hmm. and the the vulcans who come down and but instead of the the nice uh, Vulcan peace salute and the shaking of hands, the humans kill the Vulcans and take their ship. So, um, yeah. but that's not the splitting off point. That's just no. one thing in a long history of aggression and horrible stuff. So this whole two-parter episode takes place in the mirror universe starring. With no reference to the prime universe. Right, or right. Any of the prime universe characters coming for a visit. No, they're not in it at all. I'll, I'll tell you about how the Prime Universe intersects with this, which oh, happens okay. in part two, but it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> so my main problem with this, as, as I'm sure everybody could see right away, is why am I watching it? Because I don't care about any of those characters. They're yeah. awful. They're not fun. They're not funny. They're not interesting. They're just mean and angry, and mm-hmm. there's no contrast at all with the Prime Universe, which is where we want to be spending our time. I don't want to spend right. time in the Mirror Universe. It's not fun. It's not a nice place to be. Additionally, I feel like the actors were not up to the task. And mm. Scott Bakula, I like him in a lot of things. He was perfect in mm-hmm. Quantum Leap. That was absolutely yes. the best thing he could have been because that's him, right? He's sort of this, you know, stand-up guy. He's very sincere. Mm-hmm. He's sort of funny. He's, you know, he, he's thoughtful and creative in that way. And that's not Mirror Universe Archer. He's just yeah. shouty and angry. And <laughs> he that's all he does. He yells yeah. at people. Yeah. And his way of being evil is to squint a lot and I was like okay squinty angry guy not interested and none of the other people are interesting um the only one who sort of I felt was a callback can you say callback because this happens before TOS was was Reed right um yeah Dominic Keating the man who was too drunk to come to our party uh who is very sort of deliciously evil, right? Like mm-hmm. he has he, he he really overdoes it on the you know mustache twirling part of it, which was good. But he yes. was the only one. Everybody else was playing it so straight, and it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It just feels depressing and awful. And you're like, I don't want to be here with these people. I don't like it. Um, the woman who plays uh, Hoshi, Linda Park. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if she's a good actor or not, because I've never seen her in anything else. I have seen her in something else, and, and she was all right. Well, she was not good in this. God. <laughs> she was just not good. She could not do what she needed to do for that character. Um, Barbara Luna was really good. Oh, she was in it? No, no, no. I'm saying in TOS. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just drawing that comparison... Barbara oh, okay. Luna in TOS as Marlena, who it, it's the same character. It's just the captain's woman. She was right. great. You know, she managed yes. to play levels and mm-hmm. she was ruthless, but she was also kind of feeling and you got to see what it was like for a person in her position. No, none of that in this. Just mm. not there. So I don't know. Well, that was that was one of the parts I, I watched. Yeah. With the captain's woman. And I said, the the level of acting in this scene between both of them is like porn. Yeah. It just, yeah, it really was not, it wasn't good. So here's what happens. I will try to recap the plot such as it was. We're in the mirror universe. Stuff's happening. There's a rebellion because there's always a rebellion when you have, you know, an empire. So no surprise there. Uh, The Enterprise is trying to put down the rebellion archer somehow has knowledge that a mysterious vessel has come through from the prime universe and it's the defiant so you may remember Uh yes yes in the tholian web Mm -hmm. the reason that it happened was because the defiant went missing and then they went to investigate it so this is what happened that the defiant Mm. went through this interface that the tholians had created by accident and ended up in the mirror universe that's what happened to the defiant and this was referenced in discovery because that's what Lorca knew that's how he figured this all out so it's tied together very loosely did well that's interesting but did um did you see any of the defiant people were they like captured and made into slaves or tortured or anything they were all dead oh okay <laughs> so no we did not except we saw dead people laying on the ground which seemed ridiculous to me so the story in this episode is that the tholians captured the defiant they took it to one of their space docks and they were basically dismantling it to get the technology to use it for other things and they kind of left a lot of dead people laying around on the floor which seemed Mm -hmm. very inefficient because those people were dead and they would be rotting and leaking all over the place (laughs) and they they weren't um and so that was strange and yeah i mean there's people walking by it's like oh there's a dead guy you know he should be oozing by this point because he's been dead for a couple weeks um, did the um, Enterprise people instantly know where these had come from? Archer did, and I don't really, really understand how he got this information. It wasn't explained, or it okay. was, and I wasn't paying attention because okay. <laughs> it just couldn't be bothered. So they go, the Enterprise goes to the Defiant. Archer decides he's going to steal it and use it to become the new Emperor because it's so overpowered compared to the technology that exists for the empire and they do and he almost gets away with it except that hoshi the captain's woman decides she'd rather be the empress so she kills him and just declares herself empress and that's how it ends Mm -hmm. so a bit of a twist at the end Uh i guess not worth watching two hours of it to get to that twist. and they did some stuff so this was total fan service right they get to the defiant which is basically the enterprise it's a constitution class mm-hmm. starship it looks exactly the same and they rebuilt the sets and right they're there and suddenly some of the people from the enterprise including scott bacula and some of the others put on the uniforms that are there so archer's wearing kirk's green wraparound tunic and Tapal is wearing a blue science miniskirt uniform and Reed is wearing a red shirt. It's like, why would they? Why? Why did they do that? I don't understand. They had uniforms. They didn't Uh, need to do that. It it was, uh, there was no reason other than obviously the producers were like, wouldn't it be cool to put them in the TOS uniforms? Yeah, everybody's going to eat that up, right? Like that was the the reason for doing that. Yeah, it was just not good. So the other thing about it, 
costuming wise was that you know the enterprise uniforms right yes in in the show they're jumpsuits they're basically like flight suits Mm -hmm. so the women are wearing flight suits that basically have the middles cut out (laughs) oh that makes a lot of sense it looks ridiculous it was so stupid you know Again, they went, oh, what can we do to tie this to the way the TOS uniforms were? Yeah. I know. Let's take out the middle of it. It's so dumb. It, it's just unbelievably dumb. Mm. What a bad choice. And, you know, again, with the acting, the woman who plays T'Pol, what's her name? Jolene Blaylock. I, I've yeah. never seen her in anything else. I don't know if she's a good actor. She was not good in this. Uh-huh. Um, there's a part at the end where the Vulcans, her and some other people are going to try to mount a little rebellion because the Vulcans are part of the rebellion against the Empire. So they fail. They get blown up. But she gets very emotional suddenly mm. and and is shouting and acting not like a Vulcan at all. And I mean, that was one well, of... Well, maybe that's how mere Vulcans are. But they're not because Spock wasn't like that. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Well, he didn't have anything to really get upset about. Mm, I don't know. I I, <laughs> I would say that all the Vulcans, because we saw him and we saw his bodyguards in TOS, were mm-hmm. even more Vulcan than in our universe because they would have to be. Mm. They would have to be very closed and very private and not emotional at all in order to survive in this terrible environment. And she was just not like that. It was, it was so out of character. And hmm. it just... Ugh. It was very frustrating to see this. So I felt like the whole idea of doing this, and I tried to read a little bit about it. You know, they had had this idea that they wanted to do it. At this point, they knew that they were probably going to be canceled. So they just, I guess, went, fuck it. Let's do a Mirror Universe episode. Let's let's do it. But it was not enlightening in any way, right? Like, as you said right at the beginning, the reason that you want to see it is because you want to see the contrast. And yes. even though they are on the Defiant, which is a prime universe ship, and they spend a little time looking in the memory banks to see who their counterparts are in the prime universe, there's no contrast. There's no good behavior. There's no hope. There's no kindness or creative mm-hmm. thinking about any of it. It's just people murdering each other. Yeah. And I honestly, honestly think It's a mistake for all these different Star Trek series to eventually go to the Mario. It was such a great thing in TOS. It was new. It blew your mind. It had an actual story with an actual arc. It established the beard trope, which was too amazing. It's like, okay, we've gotten the best stuff we could possibly get out of that. And then every time another one goes, it's like, why? Mm -hmm. What are you doing there? Yeah, it it was just not good. I'm glad that in Discovery we got Georgiou out of it because I love her and she's great. And I'm glad we didn't see more of the universe, the mirror universe in Discovery than we did. I think that it was it was the right amount and that they stopped it before it got ridiculous. And well, it it was already ridiculous. I felt that the the mirror universe people apparently knew about our universe and could pop in and out whenever Mm -hmm. the hell they felt like it. Yeah. No, you know that I think that was a a mistake to hang your uh your first season arc mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. So, anyway, I watched it. I would be interested in knowing if other people watched it or liked it or thought that there were redeeming things about it. I I mm-hmm. just really did not think it was great and just to complain about a couple of other things that (laughs) I know were typical of TV at the time as you said uh, Hoshi and Archer uh, are supposed to be sleeping together and in every scene where they're in bed or they've obviously just had sex he's naked and she's wearing her underwear (laughs) yeah but both bra and and panties like mm-hmm. really like you had to do, I know TV standards yeah. and all the rest of it but you know like come on you could have gotten around that somehow yes. it's just it's very frustrating and watching them sort of slobber over each other was like Ugh, I don't I don't <laughs> want to see this it's not good and and plus 
you know, the, the things about intertwining the villainy of the mirror universe in TOS with the sort of sexiness of it was both done seriously with Kirk and Marlena and then played for laughs with Sulu and Uhura, right? Mm-hmm. In this, it's not played for either of those things. It's just sort of gross, you know, mm-hmm. like like you have to accept that um, sex is a thing that gets traded on and also it might not be entirely consensual, which is another very weird thing that's happening. Yes. Um, yes. And that it it's, you know... I don't know that sex is part of everything at every time. There's a scene in Enterprise where uh, after Tapal has been uh, outed as a, a traitor, you know, Hoshi says to Archer, uh, oh, I'm going to I'm going to really enjoy killing her. And Archer's like, you've waited a long time for this. They're standing in a room with other people. Tapal <laughs> is is like, you know, she's got her hands cuffed or whatever. And the two of them are looking at each other and then they start making out. It's like, wait a minute. What? Why? Why is this happening? Like, why are you laying disgusting making out over mm-hmm. this interrogation scene like what <laughs> why why are you doing that yeah oh gee. yeah i know i was just going ew that's kind of gross okay so i could talk a lot more about all the things i didn't like about it i'm mm-hmm. and people seem to like this i read things where people said that they thought it was good and i just i don't see it it doesn't work for me it really doesn't work for me so Okay. Yeah. So now you never have to watch it and I Thank will you never for that. I will never ever watch it again. Let's talk about something better now, okay? <laughs> okay. This is an article I ran across and I love it so much. It's called My Parents Visit the 23rd Century to Enjoy Simpler Times. Yes, it's so good. And it's uh, written by a woman and she says every night at 7 my parents compete to see who will be the first to correctly name the Star Trek the original series episode that's mm-hmm. starting so obviously they're skipping the first bit where they show the title, the title yeah or maybe they wa- you have to get it before we get to the title part so they're watching the right just the movie. teaser right like when it comes on and it shows the enterprise yes. going around the planet like you have to know from that first shot which episode it right. is right yeah and uh, the dad uh it usually gets a is, is usually better at this than the mom. And uh, <laughs> and it says, the person in the control room at the television studio, if it's still a real person, <laughs> is the unintentional host. <laughs> I tried to introduce them to various streaming services, one of the marvels of the modern world, so they could turn on any episode, anytime, but it didn't take. I like knowing other people are watching the same thing I am, my mom said. <laughs> I and that love almost that. sounds like I I love it too, but it also sounds almost like a Marjorie thing. It does you know, sound like it, but that is one of the reasons that I love watching Star Trek on television because it's yes. just like you happen upon it, and you're like, oh, Star Trek is on, I'm going to watch yes. it now. Well, they've gotten so good at it that they had to make changes to the game by turning the sound off <laughs> or looking away from the screen. She says the next phase I assume will involve turning the TV off and intuiting which episode <laughs> is starting. Yes. And then, you know, she goes on to say that it, it uh, aired during their formative years. Her dad was 16 when the first episode aired and 19 when it ended. And uh, so when she was growing up in the 90s, the parents were still playing um, songs by the Beatles mm. and, you know, all of those guys. They just really liked <laughs> that whole era. And... Uh, his favorite show with phasers and transporting and all also brings him back to simpler times. He could more easily explain the theory of warp speed than explain how to add a background on Zoom. When he couldn't figure it out, he propped a painting up behind himself instead. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> and uh, he, the mom knows just enough about Facebook to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... um. On Star Trek, the computer is usually an obedient voice you shout things at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, this is just, you know, oh, and the dad gets suspicious, like we all are, that the computers are listening to us. Of course, yes. And so he'll he'll say, you know, 
winking. I'm interested in traveling to Antarctica <laughs> to see if the computer is going to start bringing up things about, you know, those will be his ads in Facebook or whatever, travel in Antarctica. And I swear to God, I've seen stuff like that. So I'm with him. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this part. Uh, she says, one of my dad's second favorite episodes from the original series and then parens, when asked to name his top three, he listed eight episodes tied for the number two spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love this dad. Yes. It is great. But I, I agree with the point of the article was that you watched I do anyway, is to watch it because it's Star Trek is sort of comforting, right? Like it you know what's is. gonna happen. You know that good is gonna triumph over evil in the end, and it is a simpler time than the one that we happen to be living in now, even though it's the future. Mm-hmm. And and at the end, one of his favorites for that number two spot is All Our Yesterdays. Mm-hmm. In it Kirk McCoy and Spock travel to a planet where the inhabitants have escaped to the past via tiny mirrors checked out from the library. <laughs> um, the, the planet was about to self-destruct, blah, 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 blah. But before they left, their cells and brain patterns were transformed to fit the selected time period. The transformation process is never fully explained, but it's understood that it's crucial. Without it, they would die within hours, and afterwards, they can't go back to the present. That's not talking about Kirk and Spock. It's talking mm-hmm. about the people of the planet. We must live out our lives in the time period we're in, said one of the inhabitants. My parents' cells haven't entirely adapted to the time period they're in now. About half have, and the other half are hanging out in the 1960s. They don't need to stream Star Trek On Demand. They can just be ready to tune in at 7 p.m. like a lot of other people from their generation who are probably watching at the same time. They've lived long enough to realize that sometimes the original version is the best version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like oh, that. Oh, and listen I to this about the writer, good. Jessica Comey, or Corny. Comey, is a Midwesterner who writes about her family life in Iowa. <laughs> How about that? Oh, you you know you know that they are they're very polite with Midwesterners and um, yes, yeah. yes. Wh- which episode do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, let's see. He's wearing the wraparound. <laughs> <laughs> comforting and mm-hmm. humorous you know yeah. it's just it's great you know um this was published on star trek.com and i yes. really like the fact that they've opened up these essays to people you know it you star mm-hmm. used to be um just news but now they they publish people's you know personal essays about what star trek means to them and mm-hmm. what's happened in their lives and i think it's awesome just to let people write about stuff i love these essays they're so interesting yes um, yes there, there was one that i read recently that was about um a, a woman was saying what uh janeway meant to her because her name was also Catherine and she always disliked her name and then Catherine janeway came on as this captain and she was like hey there's somebody with my name who's doing amazing things and it really um made her like her name a lot more because Mm -hmm. there was a character i thought that's a really cool thing that's really nice yeah i i agree with you i think that's really good yeah so um let's see there let's do the den of geek yes let's do the den of geek thing i was just looking for that so okay um den of geek has a, a good article about will young kirk make an appearance in strange new worlds no sorry that's what i say but uh they have some interesting insights here and this sentence i really like because i agree with it in star trek discovery season two part of what made anson mount's take on captain pike so satisfying for longtime star trek fans is that pike felt like a new character again Mm. but he also simultaneously felt very familiar mount's pike is space daddy to many of us <laughs> and that's partially because he's a fusion between captain kirk and captain picard mm-hmm. he combines the old school swagger of kirk along with the slightly more community-minded leadership of picard mount publicly copped to feeling these influences mentioning that he admired what chris pine did <laughs> with the kirk <laughs> reboot but also pointing out on several questions that pike is a starship captain who va- values the 
input of his staff like Picard as opposed to shooting from the hip like Kirk. I think he needs to do a little more study. But I, I did yes. like that they pointed out how he was new, but he was familiar. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mm-hmm. heard a lot of people refer to him as um, our new space daddy, which I really like. Yeah. Because um, he is. He's he's very dad-like in, in a way that Kirk is not and the way that Picard certainly is not so mm-hmm. I I agree with all of those things yeah he was probably contractually obligated to say that thing about Chris Pine so I'm, I'm gonna give him a pass on that one yeah um so uh the the, the writer of this article says you know everybody is wondering will Kirk show up we know from Kirk's dialogue in the Menagerie Part 1 that he met Pike just once, right before taking command of the Enterprise, which, on some level, makes you think, nope, Strange New Worlds won't give us a new version of Jim Kirk. Unless, of course, there's some wiggle room here, because Star Trek does that type of thing, <laughs> you know, all the time. And uh, and they're saying, and they, they go into, you know, why it would be a bad idea, and then they say, so Stranger Worlds has at least five years, if not a little bit more, before anyone needs to mention the name James T. Kirk. Mm-hmm. That is, unless, of course, they break the rules. And if there's one thing Kirk himself loves doing, <laughs> it's breaking the rules. Now, this is true, but like we were talking last time, that um, TNG, because they wanted their own identity, didn't mention Kirk or TOS or anything mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. And it would be even a worse mistake for this one to do it because it's supposed to be taking place before that time. But I know how I would like the series to end. It should end with the news that, um, you know, Chris is being, uh, see, I'm on a first name basis with him now too, um, <laughs> is being promoted to fleet captain. And this new captain is coming aboard the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll be there in five minutes or whatever. And so Pike, you know, is at the bridge and he said, well, I guess I'll go greet the new captain. And maybe he goes to the transporter and maybe we see twinkle, twinkle, twinkle and it's Kirk shaped. And that's the end. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see another actor just walking on board and pretending he's Kirk. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be best that way. I wonder. And most of the uh, comments, because I read quite a few of them, are going, it would be a mistake. And some of them are suggesting things like, that's how it'll happen. And one person said, that will be the final episode of season one. And I'm going, oh, no, no. please don't. Please don't. So my question about this is, um, I wonder how many seasons they're planning on for this, right? I, I know it's early days yet. And, of course, they want to be renewed after the first season. but Right. If they're really going to do episodic television, are they going for five years or are they going for the standard Star Trek seven years, which was what they tried to do for all the series so that it could go into syndication? Because they're not going to want to keep this on CBS All Access forever. Eventually, they're going to want to have it on regular television. And I think they need five years for it to be syndicated. So... Well, they, you know, they might not go to regular television. They might go to Netflix after a few That's years, true. You know? That's true. But and they can... have different standards. Yeah. But, um, so, well, if I would like to see each season, even if there's no reference to it, um, reflecting a year of mm-hmm. real time, mm-hmm. which would mean five years. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Unless at the end of five years, they decide to follow Pike. They could. That would be that would be very interesting. They'll give him they'll give him some other fleet stuff. Fleet captain, to do. yeah. yeah. Hmm. Whatever fleet captain does, he'll be doing that. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting. I, I just certainly the writers must have some kind of arc involved. Not not a day to day arc, but we're starting here and we plan on finishing there if we get five seasons to do this mm-hmm. and yeah. having the characters on some kind of journey that goes there. Well, that's what I would assume anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I do not want them bringing Kirk on. Um, It's interesting to me that in Discovery, if you remember, um, what's her name? The lead character. Jeez, I'm getting so old. Burnham? Yes, Burnham has that discussion with Spock about him growing or something so that, you know, there will be a person who will be his friend or whatever. It's obviously Mm -hmm. foreshadowing Kirk. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see him growing into 
um, an individual who understands a little bit more the value of humans, mm-hmm. although he's still not, yay, humans in TOS, but, you know, opening himself up to, you know, something new and different that, yeah. that doesn't, doesn't fit with what he has always believed. But I don't, I don't want to see that reach anything like the Kirk and Spock friendship i don't even want to see a twinkle of it mm-hmm. when kirk comes aboard because frankly i am such a fan of the idea that they take one look at each other and go this is not <laughs> and that's in one of the uh profic books mm-hmm. novels that i just love because this writer it's a woman writer and i can't think which one it is she um she you know she tells you what they're thinking and Kirk and Kirk doesn't like science officers because they're always giving him information he doesn't want and doesn't need. <laughs> and Spock doesn't like Kirk because he comes to the Enterprise having just done some heroic thing. And in Spock's view, heroes thrive in chaos, mm-hmm. and Spock is opposed to chaos. And I thought that was great. And that's, you know, part of the arc of that novel is their their friendship finally starting to develop and i just love it it's it's well done and that's the picture i've got in my mind yeah i i agree i think that's that's the crux point of the kirk spock (laughs) relationship is that they are so wildly different in their approaches Mm -hmm. and yet they reach common ground and because they are opposites in some way they're better because they yes. work together. In that article, didn't it say something like, you know, it's like a Lennon-McCartney partnership. Where yes, I love really, that. They're really, really different, yes. and they're much better together than they are separately. And yes, that mm-hmm. is 100% true. So, um, yeah, it'll be cool to see Spock on that path, but not reaching the end of the journey, right? Like, yeah. we, we just want to see him changing somewhat over time. But his relationship with Pike has to be completely different than with Kirk, because Pike mm-hmm. is a completely different kind of character. Yeah, yep. I can't wait. I wish it was on now. God. <laughs> <laughs> well, with you know COVID nineteen, nothing can even be filmed. They can yeah. write, they can plan, but you oh, know, I know they're not doing anything. Ugh. Anyway, uh, so that's something to look forward to. We can all think about that and how cool it's going to be when that finally hits the screen. So yay, yay for that. <laughs> Um, One other piece of news that I just wanted to mention, I know that we spent quite a bit of time complaining about uh, Bill going to Ticonderoga and doing a dinner cruise, which sounded awful. Yes. That's been canceled. Uh, Let's see. Mr. Shatner will now be appearing at the Star Trek Tours exhibit in Ticonderoga Ticonderoga on November 15th. So he's going to be there for two days, Saturday and Sunday, November 15th. I guess they figure November is far enough out that things Mm -hmm. might be better then i don't know so good i'm glad he's staying safe and uh yeah i can't imagine trying to have a dinner cruise in november in upstate new york that would be very bad (laughs) bad idea also while we're talking about these appearances and stuff the big track convention that's held in vegas is now going to be in december yeah they moved it they totally instead of the summer Mm mm-hmm I will just jump in to say that the big comic book convention, San Diego Comic-Con, is going virtual and it's going to be free. So oh, I saw that. That's amazing. And there's usually some Trek-related stuff there. I think they yeah. had premiered some of the Discovery stuff there a couple of years ago. So we That'll will be, be on the lookout to yeah, to see what, what's going yeah. to happen, if there's going to be a Trek panel or Trek announcements. And the fact that it's free is just awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know if there's stuff there. Um, also, I read a little blurb, I haven't been able to find it or anything else on it, saying Bill is going to do another one of those virtual um, fan appearance things mm-hmm. like the one we attended in July. Mm. So I'm watching for that, but I haven't seen anything since I saw the little blurb. One thing I wanted to point out, though, um, an article I did not bring for us to talk about. But, you know, lately there have been a lot of little interviews with Bill. Oh, yes. And I think that this was the one maybe where he talked a little bit about divorce, but nothing specific, you know, about any of his divorces. But, um, it, you know, it said uh, the papers were served to her like two days or four days, whatever, after her brother died. But that's not as cold-hearted as it sounds because they had been separated for a year and then 
almost as an aside, it says, which means Bill has been on the dating scene all this time. <laughs> and I'm going, who was he dating? <sighs> who knows? Who knows? And yet he said the thing about his wife when he, I know. <laughs> like, what is going on? I, I just I just want clarity. I don't want to know <laughs> all of the personal details about him. I just want to know his situation. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he, he is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yep. But in the meantime, he seems to be staying home. There have been a couple pictures of him like out going to the drugstore or something and he's wearing a mask so that's mm -hmm. all great mm -hmm. so as far as we know he's home with uh the horses and the dogs and uh i guess he his family now has zoom meetings yes to to all keep caught up with each other so that's all good yep it's it's very good that he's doing that i saw he had sent out um something in his newsletter after the galaxy con appearance and he said something like i just did my first virtual con and i had so much fun it was criminal so he's really embraced this i guess he was a little nervous about doing it and then mm -hmm. found out that it was actually completely awesome and he said he really liked having the sort of one-on-one -on -one contact with people where he could answer individual questions mm -hmm. so i'm i'm happy i hope he just does a lot more of them you know it's more exposure for him, less traveling, yes. less stress and everything. And people get to ask him questions. And sometimes he picks your questions, which is yes. great. Yes. Well, um, Bill loves to be on top of what's new. It's very mm -hmm. important to him to keep up with things because he doesn't want to become an old man. What's Zoom? I can't, you know, <laughs> prop a painting up behind me, you know, that sort of thing. So... Yeah, I'm very glad that that he's embracing that technology, and he's yeah. very smart. As are the many uh, famous people who cannot actually work right now, who are doing various things, you know, with Zoom and mm -hmm. YouTube and everything to keep themselves in front of the public. Yeah, yeah, they have to. It's important, mm -hmm. and it's important for them to to just um, be out there. And even though, like the the staged thing, which I have you watched that yet? No, oh, and okay. we hadn't even talked about it. Um, I know what it is, uh, and I got your email with the link, but I haven't looked at it. Okay, so for those of you who haven't seen it, Staged is a completely uh, quarantine-produced series on BBC with David Tennant and Michael Sheen, where they are filming themselves as two actors who are in quarantine sort of bitching and complaining about what they're trying to do while they're in quarantine and I think that sounds great it sounds wonderful and I want there was a little clip of it um the BBC had put it out and it looked hilariously funny so what a great thing to do like let's get creative right let's do things yes. that reflect the reality in whatever way is possible for us to do it so I, I think right. that's awesome Cool. Well, I think that's kind of it for now. Of course, there's way more stuff so. we could talk about, but we will save it for next time. That's right. And I just have to say that um, I am really enjoying that we are able to do our podcast much more frequently mm -hmm. now because, you know, so many other things have gone away or on temporary hold, whatever. And that we hope you, our listeners, are enjoying this and will be moved to participate with, you know, comments on uh, the blog or our Facebook page or whatever because we always want to hear what you think and what's going on with you and what are the dishy rumors you've heard. Yeah, exactly. And we definitely will be doing more watch-along things because that is oh, super yeah. fun to be able and to it's, see things. we found out it's fairly simple to uh, to set up and do. So Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely be doing more of those. So watch out for that. We'll be announcing it on the Facebook page and um, – Twitter and various other things. So yes, we hope to see you at our next watch along, whatever it happens to yes. be. So uh, for now, everybody stay safe. Keep washing your hands and wearing your masks. And despite states opening up, don't be stupid. Don't go out to restaurants. Yeah. Don't. Just don't. Just don't. Please don't. And you know what I've seen because I take Jack out to walk him every day. We go past a couple restaurants on our way to the park, and when they reopened, you know, here in Chicago, restaurants could reopen if they had patio or mm -hmm. outdoor seating, but they're supposed to be following all these rules about keep your mask on unless you're eating or drinking and keep everything six feet apart. They were packed. Ugh, awful. Just awful. And I went, see, that's why we go to the park, we get some fresh air, yeah. and we come home. 
and that's it. I'm not going to things. No, me neither. Definitely not. Um, and of course, it goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. Black lives matter. They really do. They do. They do. They do. Yeah. They so. need they need our attention. They need our help, and we need to stop being so stupid about yes. things like that. Exactly right. So. Okay, well, that's it for now, folks. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast in a couple of weeks. So until then, as always, and we mean it, live long. Live long. long. And potluck. Potluck. Yay. Yay. Okay, bye.